Amen. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. We, he does, he's worthy of that. Thank you, Rachel and the praise team. Appreciate um, you leading us this morning. And hasn't it been good already to worship the Lord this morning? If you have your Bibles this morning with you, 2 Kings chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Old Testament passage today, 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, we begin our new sermon series today um, titled, Under Pressure. Um, I want to ask you this morning, do you know what it feels like to be under pressure? Maybe you're there now, maybe you've for sure been there, but I think we all probably know um, what it's like to experience pressure in our lives. And uh, we've all probably had those deadlines that have been looming, uh, decisions to make, situations that have been stacking up that you kind of have to deal with or respond to. And, and stress during those times can weigh down heavy on us, so we know what, it's feel, what it feels like to be under pressure. Now, pressure's definition. There's a lot of different, de- different definitions that fall uh, in the dictionary for pressure, but here's a couple that I think pretty, pretty well apply to the way that we live. It says, pressure is defined as the burden of physical or mental stre- distress, the constraint of circumstance. Another definition is the stress or urgency of matters demanding attention. And probably for every single one of us here today, we have uh, situations in our life just daily that demand our attention, that we have to, to, uh, to, to deal with. And, and just by defining pressure, right, our stress level might tick up just a few notches just by thinking about the definition of it. Um, I love our graphic because it really does display, the pressure gauge there displays kind of what we feel, you know. It's like we watch as the week goes by sometimes that, that gauge just tick up higher and higher. And, um, you know, pressure builds in our lives. Pressure can build all around us. And many things can cause pressure in our lives and in our families. And um, now, now, you know, we have to stop and think this morning. I don't think any of us are naive enough to think that, that we wouldn't live a life without any pressure. There's always going to be some pressure um, in our lives, and we do pretty well at handling most of the time um, some pressure in an area or two of our, of our lives. But we've all faced those seasons, right? We've all faced those seasons in our life when the pressure at home begins to build and it's not too long, and before that has calmed down, the pressure at work begins to build. And then we, got, we get a call out of the, the blue from our brother that maybe our mom or our dad aren't doing so well physically, and so that pressure begins to build. And, and then um, we get a, a call from our wife that her car has just broken down, or, or from the husband that something's happened with him, and, and so that pressure begins to build. And, and then the person that we call, always call, right? We all have that... Uh, hope, have that person in our life that we kind of call and talk to and share with. We get a call from that person the same week that says, hey, I just want to let you know I'm moving out of state, right? I mean, things have built, the gauge is going over and over, and the next thing you know, the pressure is above the red line of what you feel you can handle. If you've ever lived there, thank you, Rhonda. If you've ever lived there, say amen. Rhonda's being very honest with us this morning, right? But it's true, we've all experienced that. And the people, think about this, the people who live with you, whether it be your spouse or your kids or people who are closest to you, they're watching all of this take place in your life and take place to you, and they feel like, the people watching you, they feel like the person in this little video clip. This is how the people watching you feel. They're just waiting for it to happen, right? They're watching all this pressure build. That was supposed to be funny. Nobody laughed. I was afraid of that. They're watching all of this pressure build, right? And they're just waiting for you to explode because they know that because everything keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening, eventually you're going to get to your, to your breaking point. They see it. I love what Lou Holtz um, said. Great coach. He said this. It's not the load that breaks you down. It's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. It's not the pressure, right? It's the way that you choose to carry it. 
And so to help us over these next few weeks to, to think about the right choices and, and really think about how to carry the load under pressure the, the right way these next few weeks, I want us to look at Scripture and I want us to look into the lives of some different people who were living under a great deal of pressure in their day and their time, a great deal of pressure. And I want us to look at how they handled that pressure the right way, how they responded to those pressures in the right ways. So here in 2 Kings chapter 6, this is the first person we're going to look at Today, 2 Kings chapter 6, we, we catch up with the prophet named Elisha. Elisha. And, and, and this particular day, he has a servant with him. We'll be talking some about his servant. But you might remember that Elisha is a pretty amazing man of God. In fact, not, not this morning during our time together, but I encourage you maybe this week to just go back a few chapters and, and begin to look at Elisha's life and how he lived and how God helped him. I'm going to give you some highlights throughout our time together today. But he was a pretty amazing man of God. You might remember that he, Elisha was the understudy of of Elijah, all right, Elijah, who is a great prophet of God, and God allowed Elisha to come along him and work alongside him, and, and eventually, if you remember the story, Elijah, God's prophet, was taken, taken to heaven, and Elisha was the new prophet of Israel. He was God's man. God used him powerfully, and we kept catch up with Elisha here in 2 Kings chapter 6, and there's some interesting things taking place in his life and in the nation of Israel. The, the nation of Israel is at war with the Arameans, and the, and the king of them, the king of Aram, um, would, place, would give his army, he would, he would give his army direction. He would tell his army, he would say, I want you to go out and I want you to come against Israel in a certain location. He would tell them that, go set up there and prepare for battle against Israel. Well, in the meantime, God would speak to Elisha. And God would tell Elisha, hey, Elisha, I just want you to know, and I'm sure he may not have said it as casually as this, although I think we, God maybe sometimes speaks a lot more casually than we think. But he says, hey, Elisha, I just want you to know that the king of Aram and his, and his army, they've set up over here in this area, and I just want to let you know to warn the king of Israel so that the army doesn't get ambushed. All right? So God was speaking to Elisha in that way. And this would happen day after day after day. The king of Aram would go and say, hey, set up over here. I think we've got them this time. God would speak to Elisha and say, Elisha, this is what they're doing. This is what's going on. Be on guard against that. And so he would tell the king of Israel they would be on guard. And God would spare this great nation of Israel because of Elisha's obedience to God day after day after day, time and time and time again. Aram could not win. Now I pause for a second and tell you, just put yourself in the position of the king of Aram for a second, right? Think about how frustrating it must have been for him. I mean, every single day it seems like he's getting, he's getting beaten over and over, no matter how, how wise the trap that's set. I mean, they just seem to know what he's doing. And so the king, he gets more angry and more angry, and eventually he calls in all of his advisors, and he says, guys, what's going on? Like, how do they know every single move I'm getting ready to make? And his advisors, if you read through the passage, they point their finger right at Elisha. He said, this guy knows everything you're thinking, everything that you're doing. In fact, he knows everything that's going on, even, even the words that you speak in your bedroom, even the most private of thoughts, this guy knows them. Pick up with me in verse 13. Here's what happens. So the king of Aram finds out that it's really Elisha that's causing all of his trouble, he thinks. And so here's what he says, verse 13. Go find out where he is. Go find out where Elisha is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back, he is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. One man, all right, the whole, the whole army of Aram goes to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. The servant goes back and he says, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and, he, and looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness just as Elisha had asked. Now, I, I wanted you kind of to kind of get the full picture of the story this morning right out of the gate. And then we're going to come back and look at it. Would you say Elisha and his servant could have been under just a little bit of pressure that day, right? 
just a little bit of pressure. So I want us to really dig in and see how they respond to this pressure to help us as well. And so the first thing I want you to see is this. Remember, remember that God will provide every day. God provides daily, all right? Think about this. The daily provision, the daily protection of Elisha and the king, really the whole nation of Israel, God was providing for them every single day. The enemy was trying their best to do everything they could to wipe out the nation of Israel, to attack them, to defeat them, everything that they could do every day. On the other hand, God was providing wisdom. God was providing knowledge. God was providing understanding and protection from the enemy. Day after day, God's provision would come. We serve Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. If you believe that, say amen. We serve the great provider God. I love Rachel giving us that, um, the, 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 how firm a foundation in what, what was it, 1400, 1600, something like that, and then the, the song today. But can I remind you that, that God being the firm foundation goes back all these generations. God has been faithful generation after generation after generation after generation. God has provided for his people every single day. He is the great provider. And if we're not careful, we can take his provision for granted because he so, he so provides for us. I mean, look around this morning. Can I just tell you, if nobody else has told you today, listen, this is, I want you to hear this. You are so blessed. You are so blessed. Like you say, Pastor, you have no idea what I'm going through. And you may be right, but can I still tell you, you are here, you're clothed, you're surrounded by people who love you. You are blessed. You're not worried about where lunch is coming. You might be worried about where you're going for lunch, but you're not worried about where your meal is going to come from. And if you are this morning, let me know because we've got a, a whole boatload of people that just love to take you for lunch, right? And think about, like, that means you're blessed. Why? Because we serve a God who blesses us and provides for us every single day. How long the list would be around Thanksgiving time, we're pretty good at doing it. The rest of the year, however, I think we, we kind of ease up a little bit. But think about it. How list along would be today if you just started thinking about it. Just stopped and just spent the afternoon beginning to list all the things. God, thank you for everything from clean water and for the fact that I can brush my teeth every day without even thinking twice about it to the fact that, I mean, just on and on. I have a job. God's provide. I mean, just on and on list would just grow and grow and grow. Why? Because God's been providing for you every single day. I know I need to move on, but you're here this morning, which means you're healthy enough to be here. You may not feel perfect, but you're healthy enough to be here. Can I tell you, I was talking with someone today who said, I will never take it for granted again. The fact that I, I want to be in church and I want to be, and, I, and I've been healthy and I've been able to do it for so many years, I'll never take it for granted again. Why? Because there's, it's just blessing from God. You're blessed. Daily provision. Lord, help us to remember that you're the God of provision when we're under pressure. When the stress level goes up, help us to remember, God, that not one time have you failed me and you're not going to start today. Amen? He's not starting today. He will provide every single day. Elisha had been experiencing this with God's wisdom and direction every day. And we can expect it too. God loves us and he will provide for us every day. Second thing I want you to see, even with daily provision, even with God providing for us every single day, <clears throat> there are still days when pressures mount. There are still seasons of our life where we're going to be under a great deal of pressure. Elisha had been given all this wisdom and knowledge and discernment to know every move the enemy was making. But this night, he and his servant found themselves, after a wonderful season of provision, found themselves surrounded by the enemy and under a great deal of pressure. God had been faithful, but look at verse 13 again uh, with me. It says, go find out where Elisha, where he is. The king of Aram ordered, so I can send the men and capture him. And the report came back, he's in Dothan. So he sent the, the, the horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they surrounded the city by night. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And the servant, he gets up and he goes out, and the servant begins to look and see that he and, 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 and Elisha are surrounded by this vast army. And, and remember, it's a vast army that they know a lot about. 
like they've been, they've been avoiding this army for a long time for a reason. It wasn't because they were a pushover. Like they had been avoiding this army and God had been helping them keep their distance because this was a powerful army against the entire army of Israel. Think about how powerful they must have looked with two guys standing in the middle of them. I mean, they were surrounded by it, really under pressure. And in some ways, it must have seemed as though God had failed them. In some ways, it must have seemed like God had forgotten to give them the word. Ever feel like that? Ever feel like that God has been walking with you and you've had a close relationship and you, you, God has just been blessing you and then out of the blue, something happens and then another thing and then another thing? Have you noticed that sometimes they come in waves? A couple of you have. Have you noticed sometimes those things come in waves over and over and over again? And you wonder, God, I know you're the God that provides daily, but here I am. Here's another thing and another thing and another thing. God, where are you in the midst of all that's going on right now? Ever wondered that? Right now, God, things look pretty hopeless. But I want you to see this morning that things are never hopeless. And a right response Responding the right way under pressure means everything. Here is uh, his servant, you know, he feels Elisha in concerning the situation. He tells him all that's going on. Hey, we're surrounded, right? All of us have felt surrounded. All of us can kind of relate a little bit if we just stop and think about it today to what it must have felt like for Elisha and his servant. And I love the question that he poses here, right? What shall we do, he says. What shall we do? What are we going to do? Isn't that the way we would say it? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Ever say that? I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't see a way out. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I don't know how we're going to make it. What are we going to do? Elisha hears these words from his servant. And based on what Elisha says back to him, and we're going to look at that in just a second, but we learn a couple of things about the servant just by what Elisha says to him because I believe that if God can tell Elisha where the enemy is all the way across the country, that God can help Elisha to know exactly what his servant is feeling. And so before we look at what Elisha says, there's some things we can learn about the servant. And first is this, he was fearful. He was afraid. I mean, he sees this army out there, and I don't think he just casually moseyed back to Elisha's presence. I would say he was running as hard as he could. And when he's telling Elisha what's going on, he's out of breath, right? Because he is fearful and afraid. And let me tell you something, when we walk through the midst of wave after wave after wave of difficulty in our life, the first, one of the first emotions that we, that we feel is fear, because we don't know what we're going to do. And fear begins to build up within us. We see the circumstances. We see the army around us. We see there's no way through this. Like, I mean, I cannot figure this out. I don't see a way out of this. And just like the servant, we find ourselves surrounded by things that are much bigger than we are. Think about it with me. Haven't you been there like me? My wisdom can't fix it. My personality can't convince it right? My money can't buy it. I'm surrounded and it's too much for me to handle. And if you've been there, say amen. Like, I can't get through this. And how many times in that moment, just like the servant, we're blind to who really is with us. We're blind to who really can fix it. And we have thoughts of surrendering to the enemy. The pressure has built to this lever where we're ready to give up and we can cry. Our heart can cry out with the servant, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Quoting coaches today, but Chuck Noll, another coach from the past, he says, pressure is something you feel when you don't know what you're doing. Pressure is something you feel when you don't know what you're doing. Pressure is something we feel when we say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And we can relate. But here's Elisha's words to the servant. I love it. A right response. First, don't be 
afraid. We may be fearful. It may build. We may think it's too much for us to handle. Don't be afraid. That's the first thing Elisha addresses as he watches this servant run in, slide to a stop, heart beating, out of breath. He's saying, like, dude, slow down. That's a paraphrase, by the way. Slow down. Take a breath. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Elisha, do you not, do you, did you not hear me? Like, did you not see what I see? Did you not hear the sound of the horses out there that are all around us? Elisha, are you not listening to me? Elisha, don't be afraid. Servant, it's just the two of us. You remember that, right? He knew where the army of Israel was, and it wasn't near where they were, right? It's just the two of us, Elisha. Don't be afraid. See, we're tempted to fear and to give in in these situations because we feel like we're all alone. The servant's saying, Elisha, it's just the two of us. We're all alone. We're tempted to fear in a lot of different situations. I remember um, a few months ago, as you know, um, when in and had some back surgery, and the surgery center where I went to was all the way up north uh, in Carmel, so a pretty decent drive. We had to be there at uh, 5.30 in the morning, and so we got up bright and early and, and drove up there, and when we arrived at the surgery center, I mean, it looked like a ghost town. Like, I wasn't even sure that we were in the right place. I mean, things looked pretty, pretty dark. I didn't really see any other cars. I mean, I'm thinking, huh, am I, am I where I'm supposed to be? And, and that, on top of while I was, like, anxious to get the surgery over with, like if you've ever been through even a minor surgery, minor, you know what a minor surgery is, like it's surgery that's happening to somebody else, like we never have a minor surgery, it's major, everything. So like, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty fearful as I'm going in. And so we, we get out, we walk up to the doors, and sure enough, the doors just open on their own, and, and we step in there, and we weren't exactly sure where we were going, never been there before, so we walk into this big open atrium, and, um, and we're looking around, looking for the sign that says surgery center or pointing us to the right room, and so I'm walking in, and I get so far in, and I look up, and the biggest sign I could see was this one. This is the truth. I walk up and I said, Michelle, are we in the right place? <laughs> I snapped a quick picture of the sign because I was laughing by this time. And I said, I'm going to look for a, for a floor that gives me a little hope for a little better quality of life, right? And so I found my way to the surgery, surgery area and, uh, and, and went on throughout, throughout the day. And the surgery went fine and I never made it to the third floor, thank the Lord. But talk about a chuckle wrapped in fear, Right? Um, I mean, I thought a lot about that sign since then, and it seems to me that a lot of times when we find ourselves under pressure and in the midst of all of the situations and circumstances of life, hear me this morning, spiritually we make our way to the third floor. Spiritually, we just finally just give up and give in to the fear and give in to the circumstances and say, you know what, I just don't see any way out of this, and we start taking our own road, and spiritually, Spiritually, we die because we don't have enough faith in God to believe that under pressure, he can help us. We don't have enough faith to believe that somewhere there's a door, somewhere there's a door that leads to a better quality of life. You see, God's the one who will open that door. But the enemy sets up signs like that and tries to get us to buy the lie that there's no way out. I want to remind you today that God can give us victory even in the midst of the most difficult situations. If we'll heed the, the words of the prophet Elisha today, don't be afraid. If you're under a great deal of pressure today and the temptation is to let your mind go a lot of different directions and the pressure to come down and the fear begin to well up, hear the words of the prophet Elisha today. Don't be afraid. God has this. He's never failed. He's not starting today. Don't be afraid. But then he doesn't stop there. He gives Elisha this great reminder, right? And I want you to be reminded along with the servant today and remember who is with you. Remember this morning who is with you. Verse 16, those who are with us. I love this. Think about it. We read right over it. He doesn't say those who are going to be with us. 
He, he doesn't say that, hey, when the army of Israel gets here. No, he says, those who are with us right now are more than those who are with them. And the servant had to be going, uh, Elisha, in case you haven't noticed, man, it's just me and you. <laughs> Elisha says, no, those who are with us. Can I remind you who was with them? Like you know, right? God was with them. Can I say it like this? The God of heaven and earth was with them. The God of all creation was with them. The God who can do the impossible was with them. There are always more with us than there are with them. Amen? I mean, that's a, that's a promise that rings true today. Jeremiah, I love how he puts it. He says this, verse, uh, chapter 32 of Jeremiah, verse 17. Ah, Lord God. It's like, ah, Lord God, it's you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He's reminding himself, you're the God of all creation, everything that has ever been, everything that it ever will be. You're the God over all that. Can I just remind you today, you serve a big God. A big, big God. There's a pastor by the name of Louis Giglio, and and Louis Giglio is an amazing teacher. You may have been in some of the small groups that he's done. We've shared some of those here at the church. You may have seen some of his messages. But I, I want you to watch just a short clip. And, and in this clip, Louis is sharing a little bit about the universe. Just a little bit about how large the universe is. And he draws the conclusion, if our universe is this big, just think about how big your God is. I want you to catch a vision this morning. Watch with me. Maybe this will help a little bit more. This absolutely blew my mind. Just a little journey through our solar system. Everyone knows our planets and sort of how we fit in to the story here. You see really quickly that we're not even the biggest deal in our own solar system, but as Earth comes by, you have to know tonight that we are living on a privileged planet. Anyone would tell you we're living at one of the most special places, if not the most special place in all of creation. But Neptune comes by and Saturn and then Jupiter and you're like, okay, we're not all that big, even in our own little cul-de-sac. I just noticed the blue dot fading away is not the earth. That's Neptune. The earth has gotten too small to see anymore. Sirius comes by, little plug for satellite radio. <laughs> Not the biggest star, but the brightest star that we have found so far. Pollux, which we didn't mention, Arcturus. Such a beautifully named one, Regal. But then the one that messed me up. third star, Musifi. Musifi's cousin, W. Sifi. And Canis Majoris. And do you know that you couldn't come up here right now with a Sharpie? and make a mark on the screen that would approximate the size of our sun, you couldn't even do it. I mean, when you look at these and their relative size, we just have to put a little arrow over there that says, if you could put the sun on here, which you can't, it would go somewhere about here. And um, can you hang on that for me? And when you see this, I don't know what happens to you, but I'll tell you what happens to me. A shrinking feeling comes over me, and it's not a bad shrinking feeling, it's a good shrinking feeling. Because sin, it has a, a way of shrinking God down in our minds and puffing us up in our own estimation. But just a glance into the universe that God has made resizes everything in a heartbeat. 
and you realize tonight we are worshiping an unrivaled, uncontested God of all kind of might and power and glory and awe who is, there's none like him anywhere in all of creation tonight. Isn't that awesome to think about? Ah, Lord God, you have created the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. We serve a big God, amen? And the great thing is, is that he is so big, and yet he cares about every single detail of your life, and every pressure that you're under, and every situation that you go through. He cares this morning. Remember who is with you. Don't be afraid. Remember who is with you. He is the God who is able to do all things. And then I want you to see, don't be afraid. Remember who is with you. And I want you to see. I want you to see this morning. Elisha prayed, verse 17. Oh, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened his servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Lord, help my servant to see what I can see. You see, Elisha had a glimpse of just how big his God was. And he wanted his servant to see the same thing. Could we make it our prayer today? Oh God, open my eyes that I can see you as you want me to see you today. As a God who is able, period. As a God whose grace is all sufficient, period. As a God who is able to work when the pressures of my life are mounting, period. He is able. Lord, help us to see. And the Lord opened his eyes and he saw. He saw God in light of the situation. And when he did, he saw that his God was so much bigger than the situation that seemed insurmountable. God opened our eyes this morning. Open our eyes to past provision. Aren't you glad today that you can look back in your life and see God's hand at work? <clears throat> so glad for that. God has given us those things for a reason. He's given us the ability to remember them for a reason so we can look back and see them firsthand. So many times God has provided. Can I just tell you, Elisha, as he reflected in this moment, can I, can I remind you of his past provision? Can I just remind you today that this wasn't the first time that Elisha has seen chariots of fire and horses of heaven? If you remember, when Elijah was taken up into heaven, Elisha had the experience of seeing some chariots and horses of fire from heaven, right? It's not the first time. Can I tell you that part of the reason I believe that Elisha experienced it the first time was so when he found, out, when he, when he found himself in these situations down the road that he knew the God that he served was able. Past provision. Elisha has watched, Elisha has watched so many times God providing. If you go back and look, as I share with you, just the, the miracles that happened up this place, that, that took place up to this point, that Elisha had seen oil provided for the widow who didn't know how she was going to live another day and who, and who knew that if she didn't have any money that her, that her sons were going to be taken off as, as credit and be used as servants. And she comes to Elisha and she says, I, I need help from God. And Elisha says, just go out and collect every jar that you can find and start pouring oil into those jars out of your barrel. But my barrel's almost empty. I know, Elisha said, but just do it anyway. And you know the story probably. Pot after pot after pot after pot was filled with oil. She sold the oil. God blessed her. She had enough, right? Elisha had witnessed that. Elisha had watched the, the son of another, the only son of another widow raised to life. God, Elisha had wit witnessed as the, we, we know the, the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus did. You know there was a great feeding that took place in the Old Testament? Elisha got to witness that and was part of it. As God multiplied the loaves and just a few and fed a hundred men with, with, with bread left over. Elisha had witnessed that. Elisha saw Naaman healed of leprosy. The list goes on and on and on of past provision in Elisha's life where God said, there's nothing too hard for me. What about your life this morning? Look back and see. Look back and remember. Look back and realize that you serve a God who has provided time and time and time again. And everyone said, times when we felt so under pressure where we didn't know how we were going to make it through. There have been so many times in my life where I've been ready to give up, where I've been ready to throw in the towel, where I've just been ready to say, you know what, enough is enough. 
And it's in those moments where God proved his grace was all sufficient. Where God would step in and God would help and God would provide and God would walk me through. And, and I could tell you, if you want to hear the story, I could tell you story after story about how God's done it in my life. How about you? Hasn't God done it for you? Just stepping stones that line the way, line the road that I've walked to remind me of past provision. Oh God, open our eyes. Help us to think about the ways that you've done it for us. Maybe for you it was a sick child or a sick loved one. Maybe for you at work, God stepped in and changed the situation in the past to where things were different and you could only attribute it to God. Or maybe it was, it was financially where you were just, just like the widow. You didn't know how you were going to get through the next day and God stepped in and provided for you financially. And You can look back and see and know without a doubt it was the Lord that worked. Maybe it was a work of grace in your life where God enabled you to forgive someone who had hurt you and you look back and you see, had it not been for the grace of God, I would have never gotten through that situation in my life. Can I just tell you this morning, he's done it before and he's a God who will do it again. He'll provide for you today under pressure in a way that only he can. We can look back and we can see the possibilities because we know what God has done, but we can look forward. We can look today and see the possibilities because we know who God is. Verse 18 tells us what God did for Elisha and his servant. Elisha prayed. As the enemy came toward Elisha, he prayed, the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with the blindness as, the Lord, as Elisha had asked. God strikes the enemy with blindness and the enemy that had once seemed invincible the enemy that could have taken down the army of Israel that was around them was now blind. And Elisha was able to just lead them by the hand. I mean, God took care of the problem. Think about this. God took care of the problem in his way in a moment of time. Isn't it interesting that the chariots of fire are even still parked on the hillside? You thought about that? They saw what was around them, but God didn't even use that. He just struck them with blindness. Can I ask you this morning, what's too hard for the God that you serve? Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or imagine. What's too hard for your God today? He's able to work just like that. Think about it. Just, just that quick. In a moment of time, God changed everything. And so often we're tempted to give up hope before God can work. Often we're tempted to move our own way before God can step in and handle the pressures that we face. And can I just tell you, often God does it in a moment of time, in a way we never expected. He'll do it for you. A few years ago, um, my oldest son Trent, now you may have attended here a while, you may not even know my oldest son Trent because Trent is a, uh, up running the camera for our Facebook Live. So if you appreciate that ministry, Trent's the guy, right? He's up there every week faithfully. Uh, my oldest son, Trent, um, a few years ago, uh, he had went to college for a couple years, and I think it was the year maybe we moved here. Um, Trent had been at college, and he decided, you know what, I think I'm gonna take a break, and, and uh, he's still taking a break from college. I gotta poke, that, poke him a little bit. Um, he said, hey, Dad, I'm gonna come home and take a break. And I said, hey, if that's what you feel like you wanna do, no problem. He came home, and he got a job working here in town, and and he'd worked for a few months uh, there in town, and, and, he, and he came to me one day, and he said, Dad, I'm, I want to move to Florida. Now, like that came out of the blue for old Dad, I'll just tell you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, I want to move to Florida. I think I got a buddy that lives down there. I want to go move down there with my buddy. I'm going to find a job down there, and I just want to do something different, so I'm going to move to Florida. I said, okay, son, uh, let's talk about this a little bit. And so we talked about it a little bit, and and uh, that night, and then the next day, I just can't get it off my mind. I'm thinking about, I, I, just, I just don't feel this is right. So checked in my spirit. I'm like, you know, I, I want to support him and help him every way I can, but I just don't feel like this is the right move. And so I prayed to God, and I just said, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this, because you see, he's not my little Trent anymore, that I can say, oh, you're not going to do that. You know, he's an adult. He can make his decisions. And if he's going to go to Florida, guess what? No matter what dad thinks, ultimately, he can go to Florida. And so... To me, this was, a, this was a big deal. I was going through some other things at the time as well, and so the pressures of, of what I was going through outside of the family, and then this happening in the family, these were some of the waves crashing in, and I remember all of a sudden, this took priority at the top of my pressure list, because I love my son and I want God's best for him. So the next day we talked about it a little bit, the next day we talked about it a little bit, he kept bringing it up, and I said, son, you know, instead of just, because he was ready to like pack up, and this is so unlike him, but he was ready to pack up, stuff it all in his car, and drive to Florida and be gone. 
And I'm like, son, you know, and God gives us wisdom in the moments as parents, right? I said, I said, son, how about if I buy an airline ticket for you? You fly down and spend the weekend with your buddy and just see how it goes. I thought that was a pretty good idea, so he said, okay. And so Trent got on a plane and flew down there, spent the weekend, came back. How was Florida? You know, my, the whole time he's gone, I'm praying, oh, God, like, you've got to work in this. I don't have a good feeling about it. I don't know what your will is, but, God, you've got to work in this. whole time I'm praying. He gets back. Michelle and I were praying. And, how was Florida? It was good. If you know Trent, that's about what you get sometimes, and I'm picking on him a little bit today. It was good. So what are you thinking? I don't know. Goes back to work on Monday. Tuesday, I'm still thinking about it, still thinking about it, still praying about it, okay. Thursday he comes in. Now, keep in mind, this is a heavy load under mom. Now, if you're a mom or a dad with an adult, you know, right, the heavy loads that we carry for our kids all the time. Thursday night he comes in from work, and he, and he just casually opens the door, and he goes, hey, mom and dad, how you doing? Okay, I got a date Friday night. You, you have a What? Now, we love Trent. He's not been on many dates up to this point, and he's pretty backward and shy. And so for him to say, I've got a date, like Friday night, we're going, where did this come from, right? Well, sure enough, he'd met his now wife, Nicole, at work. And they had a date Friday night. He goes out on the date, and basically that was the last we heard about Florida. <laughs> All of a sudden, Florida wasn't such a great idea. Now, let me, let me I settle that just to say this. When, when Trent was saying, I want to move to Florida, can I tell you what the last thing that I would have ever said would have been God's answer to that situation would have been? For Trent to meet a young woman that he would eventually marry, and God would have put all that together, they're both in church, both serving God. Can I tell you the farthest thing from my mind at that point was that God would even answer this prayer anyway, let alone by not only working that out, but all of a sudden, he's not going to live in my basement the rest of his life. Well, I'm in trouble. Trent's up there. Give me the eye. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm also saying we serve a big God, folks. A God who is big enough in a second of time, in a second of time, to come on the scene, in a second of time to speak to our hearts, in a second of time to change a situation at work, in a second of time, in a phone call, in an email, in a text message, God can change it all. But we can't give up under pressure. We have to stand firm, we have to believe, we have to be on that firm foundation and believe that though through fiery trials my pathway shall lie, his grace all sufficient will be my supply every single time, every time. So the question is, do you believe it this morning? Are you under pressure today and do you believe that God is able to help? Don't be afraid. Remember who is with you and pray that God will open your eyes to see it. It may not change today out here, but can I promise you something this morning? God can change it right here today in a moment if we'll give it to him. Stand with me if you would this morning. Rachel's going to come. Father, we're so thankful today for your presence. And Lord, just for the beautiful reminders this morning Beautiful reminders that while you have chariots of fire and horses that are able to be at your disposal in a moment, angel armies that stand by, Lord, all you have to do is speak the word. Often you work in unconventional ways that we never expect, in subtle ways that change everything about what we're going through. And I pray this morning that you would give us a fresh hope and belief in that and that you would just help us to come today and just call upon you. Lord, I pray that if those that are here that are under pressure this morning and maybe they've just been trying to, just trying to move through it the best they can, Lord, I just pray today they just come and just surrender those things to you and say, God, you're big enough. I just give all this to you. I trust you, Lord, today. And, and let them just experience your peace in fresh ways. Lord, we know that you're able to do that. We love you this morning. We give you praise. And we thank you for what you're doing even now. In Jesus' name we pray. His heads are bowed as Rachel sings this morning. Would you just come and seek God? Would you just come and seek him this morning and, and put your trust in him afresh today?
Well, the Lord is here this morning and he's here to meet our needs. I invite you to be seated, but also just remain in an attitude of prayer and continue to seek the Lord this morning from right there in your seat as we pray for these that have come. Will you please stand to receive your benediction? 
keep asking that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his incomparable great power for us, for, for who he believes. That power is the same as the mighty strength. He exerted when he was raised in Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You are dismissed.